Welcome to the Shape Your Work podcast, where we discuss the factors that deliver productivity for everyone. This is our third episode, and in case you missed it, you can hear our first two topics about avoiding toxicity and making hybrid work successful. I'm Ali Khan, and joining me is Simone Fenton-Jowis. Today's topic is one of the hottest right now, the four-day work week, a topic that could literally change our world. But to do it, we need to be open-minded, brave, fight our inner instinct of dismissal, and consider what four-day work week really represents. First, let's get some background. Simone? Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, so let's let's get into it. A bit of background then. Um, so the, the four-day week has obviously you know, been an evolution over time. If we look back to Industrial Revolution, we were working a six-day week. It was actually Ford Motor Company that drove the five-day week instead of the six. So, um, yeah, cheers cheers for that, Ford. At least we get in there. Um, and then, obviously, now we, we're going over to the four-day week. Um, but everything that Ford did was really the pioneer and, you know, the, the five-day week became the federal law back in kind of 1940. Um, so <clears throat> all about the four-day week now. And according to the OECD, um, you know, the average hours initially worked by employed people in 2020 was the lowest in Germany, which is coming in around 25.6 hours a week. Americans work an average of 34 hours a week. Canadians around 32 hours a week. And the British work in 26 hours a week. Um, and that's the average annual hours works by employed people. So it's interesting. Yeah, that is. Uh, thanks, Simone. And I, 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 I feel compelled to say that I think I definitely work more than the average Brit. <laughs> so, so let me let me just get that in there. I think most people, most <laughs> people who know me, will probably not disagree. Um, but what can we tell viewers about where where this for this this current incarnation of the four day week you know phenomenon where it came from? Yeah, so uh, Andrew Barnes started it back in uh, 2018. So he trialled it with 240 staff in his own company. Um, you know, after finding various studies about average employees only being productive two to three hours a day, um, you know, and I guess that goes right back to hunter-gatherer days as well. You know, we wouldn't go hunting and gathering for eight, nine hours a day. You go for two, three hours a day. So I think, you know, this goes way, way, way back in our history. So, you know, he proposed this incentive of get some time back um, in return for the promise of, you know, get your outputs done, you get some time back. So, you know, ultimately staff became more engaged, there was more organised, more focused on just achieving them pre-agreed outputs in less time than they would normally do. Um, and the big positive side effect was more the, the engagement side and the staff morale, the improved retention as well. Obviously, the better work-life balance and just the higher quality of work being done because people felt more rested. So, you know, now Andrew is inspiring others by working together with academia to create this kind of four-day week global movement, um, you know, running various large-scale pilots in different countries right now. And obviously, the one in the UK started probably a month ago now. So, you know, that that's on with it. And I can already see some really good feedback coming through, um, you know, places like LinkedIn and Twitter. So that's where we're at. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Simone. And I, th- I, I, th- I think I'll jump in here just for a second. And, and uh, you know, we've uh, and personally, I've had a couple of conversations with the guys uh, on four day week. Uh, global, which is the, uh, the 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 center point, start in New Zealand, and it's been expanding uh, through various different pilots. Um, 
one of the things I just want to debunk is this big myth that the four-day work week isn't really meant to be a five-day schedule compressed into four. There's various different patterns to this, but ultimately what they're really trying to aim at is a system or an operating model level change where you're able to work less hours, but fundamentally not drop productivity. And that's the key phrase, without a drop in productivity. And ultimately, it's, a, it's, a, it's an engagement as a trade or a, a, an agreement between the employer and the employee to deliver um, X output over Y time, which is quite difficult, I guess, uh, to measure. Um, and, and, you know, we've got other um, podcasts um, and, and we'll be digging deeper more into about how to measure uh, output in the service industry as well. But, you know, if you're really serious about it, um, we've got to really be prepared um, to change the way we work, the policies, listening to staff, and redefining uh, how you measure success. So maybe we move on and let's have a quick look at how the four-day week is catching on around the world. What can we say there, Simone? Yeah, I think just quickly as well to pick up on that is that we can't just say to people, you're now going to do your five days of work in four days. This has got to be a fundamental shift in everything that our organization does and how it operates. So I think, you know, just bear that in mind as we kind of talk through the rest of this. But so, yeah, you know, where where are people at the moment and how, how things are catching on? So Belgium introduced a four-day working week for people who wanted it. Um, UK has obviously started this six-month trial back in May 22. Uh, we've got Scotland starting trials in 2023. Sweden have had a mixed mixed kind of reaction, um, and it's been quite political. So um, one side saying it's too expensive to implement um, on a larger scale, and the other side being very for it from a well-being and a productivity angle. And there's lots of companies trying it out, and these are not small companies. You've got Microsoft Japan, Unilever New Zealand, the Charity Bank in the UK. They're just all varying stages of different pilots, so, you know, this this is uh, an interesting movement that's happening um, that obviously, you know, as we go through the data, it's it's going to be interesting to see what that data is saying. Okay, so, so let's just look at that data a little bit more. I mean, what do we know? I mean, popularity is great, but do we know if it's working? What, what are the results telling us so far? Yeah, so there's, there's plenty of stats out already. Um, so things like the, there's actually a four-day-a-week report, um, and we'll, we'll pop the link in on our posts and things so you can, you can take a read of it. But the things that have come out of that is pre-trial, staff stress levels um, were 45%, whereas post-trial, they were down at 38%. Work-life balance uh, improved significantly from 54% pre-trial to 78% post-trial. And then you've got team engagement levels as well. So things like the leadership team in the organisations that were actually studied, 64% engagement pre, pre-trial, pre 82% post-trial. And you even look at empowerment and 68% pre-trial, up at 86% post-trial. So there's lots of lots of good data that's already coming through in these reports. And we'll, we'll pop the link in and you can take a read for yourself. Brilliant. That sounds really good. And look, if I try to kind of you know, reflect on this, I, you know, one of the things we've got to also think about is um, it's not really just a measure of outcome. It's um, uh, alone, you know, with looking at just the the hours. 
it's it's also that that outcome needs to be measured in the context of productivity, which is really you know our mantra. And if we start looking at how a company can measure the productivity, with, we we've got to really I think take a step back and start to think about what is it that they're really trying to measure. It's an intangible. And it's a really difficult thing to measure is productivity in in most industries because um, fundamentally it's a uh, it's not something you can feel or touch uh, as an output that somebody's giving you. So the way I like to look at it is, you know, the the whole world they want productive people. It's the gold of our time. And whilst we can't touch it, we we do know what productive people look like because they're happy, they're healthy, they're engaged, they're satisfied, they're committed. They've got good relationships at work and they're able to work remotely. They're able to get the support they need and they can manage conflict well. And so we've been looking at some of this from the shapes data perspective. And we spent about two years researching, you know, the topmost indicators that signify these kind of high performance factors. And in fact, we've got about 150 of them. And so each person has got a difference in how they exhibit performance for each of those indicators. And so it's not just about the employees, it's also about the conditions they work in too, which is a responsibility for the employer. So like culture, workplace policies and physical environment, all of these factors matter too. And so whilst um, whilst we look at all of this, we, we also look at what we call proxy measures. And this is, this is where survey science comes into play. So asking the right questions with the most predictive significance together with the right response options, and then you've got to score it carefully and accurately, all of these things matter. So check if your survey that you're doing with your employees has those kind of ingredients in there. Now, if you've got that, brilliant, Um, because you're going to have a lot of confidence that's going to help you understand whether you can really make a decision around whether you're ready for the four-day week uh, a challenge and uh, an opportunity uh, all in one. But remember, it's going to take a lot of a pro-science approach and you're going to need a lot of guidance. And this is where I could also recommend the four-day week global team. So uh, you can always have a look up at uh, Google for the four-day week global team and uh, they'll be able to help you understand how to go about setting up a pilot and also scaling it as well. That's uh, it's really good, and it's really good points on the surveys because I think not to bash surveys, you know, we've all got a kind of bit of a survey fatigue, but a lot of surveys being done at the moment and not getting to the crux of what they're actually even trying to find out. And I guess this ties into our back last podcast as well around toxic workplaces. How do you know if it's a toxic workplace if you're not even directly asking the relevant questions? So, yeah, really, you know, we need to make sure our surveys are actually um, aimed at get in there and build on some science and not just kind of someone throwing a survey, a few survey questions together. So, you know, I guess, okay, if people want to do make the leap to this four day working week, um, what, what kind of things do they need to start thinking about to, to kind of get that confidence to take the leap? Yeah, great. I mean, beyond the survey, I think, you know, there's a couple of things that they can do. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, have a look if you're, if you've really got a strong operating model, you know, are the processes good? Do you have self-powered teams? Are the systems in the right kind of place? And are they performing well? I measure where you are right now, of course, but if you're not already performing in these critical areas in five days a week, you're very likely going to struggle in four days a week. 
Also trying to get the management team comfortable with the whole concept of four-day week. I still speak to leaders and they feel it's a risk. They're very fearful of it because they don't really understand it too well. But what they can see is a lot more of the negatives than the positives. So you've got to speak their language. Now, ROI is a good traditional expression of any type of productivity. It's something executives understand and feel more comfortable knowing that they're getting a fair return on salary and time investment. So let's take an example here. Let's break this down a little bit. Let's take 1.4 people to do one person's job because the factors that are holding them back. What about you currently got 65% efficiency in this department because key aspects at work are compromising timely outputs. Or on average, another way of looking at expressing it is on average, each employee can deliver another six weeks of work if they had all of their factors optimized and in the right right place and condition. So Shape's been researching in all this area and finding something quite interesting. You've got to empower the manager. So to really make your four-day week experience work well, You've got to work at the team level by enabling managers to get the right knowledge, the skills and the resources. And ultimately, you've got to work with numbers. You've got to go beyond the limitation of time and you've got to start focusing on the balance of measuring output through human productivity. And that's by looking at the factors we've talked about earlier. Thanks very much, guys. Um, So I guess we're getting close to the the end of uh, this lot. So... uh, Simone, do you want to help us wrap up and recap? Where should organizations yeah, start? Yeah, man, I could uh, I could talk about this all day, and there's so much in it as well. But we did promise to make these uh, the right length for people to have a lunchtime walk or so. So uh, I'll do the wrap up. So a few things really that stood out to me there was, you know, organizations need to look at firstly purpose. So why are they considering the four day week? Is it the right option for them? Don't just do it because you know you. you kind of competitors are doing it or it looks like a good idea really understand what it is you're trying to achieve i think the second point is that systems thinking how will you operate how will it affect your business and customers and how do you manage that effect um if you know if it's a positive effect or a negative effect you know as long as you're aware of them and you can manage it everything can be worked around i think the third point for me would be engaging the people and line managers you know, move away from that organizational chart of account, like to accountability chart instead. So it's not about HR. It's not about the senior leadership team. It's got to be at that manager level, um, key business functions and how each role is responsible. And it's got to be at that level. I think the fourth point is getting them clear success measures. You know, a trial won't work unless it's run properly. Your results will be skewed. It's human. Um, so, you know, look at how long you're doing this trial for. Are you trialing or are you going to go jump straight into it as well? I think the fifth point would be communicate to customers um, if you've got customer facing teams and confirm how you'll manage their kind of things like the service level agreements and stuff. You know, getting back to customers and maintaining their experience. Many customers are going to be on board with this movement, but they need to they need to understand how it's going to affect them and how it's going to be managed I think the sixth thing would be don't forget about your part-time employees. So, yes, it's a four-day week, but how does that go to a, a part-time employee? So is it a 80% week, for example? Um, seventh um, last bit was remember 
that it's much more than just changing the days of the week. So it's got to be about culture change, not just squeezing that five-day work into four, you know, finding time to help people manage their diaries. Try things like reducing 60 minutes to 45 minutes. It's amazing how much time is going to be gained in just some simple changes. Thanks very much for joining Simone and myself on this particular uh, podcast. Um, And don't forget to visit our LinkedIn page and leave a comment. And you can also subscribe to our Shape Your Work channel for more podcasts on workplace topics. You can also look at Simone's and my socials where you can know more about everything we do. If you found something useful worth sharing, then please don't keep it to yourself. Attract the best talent and build a workplace that leaves your competition in the wake.